Hello, everyone. Welcome to our show today. My name is John Drummond, or Yang Haowen. Hello, 大家好，欢迎各位再度来到 Angie 英文。我是 Angela. We have a great episode for you today with my good friend Angelica, who is known around the Taiwanese and journalism community as Angelica Ong. 没错，今天我们邀请到了台北时报的商业记者 Angelica 到节目上，跟各位听众朋友们聊这个再生能源。好，跟他一路从台湾移民澳洲到美国当厨师，到现在又回到台湾当商业记者的故事。My guest today is Taiwanese. However, she has been living all over the world for the majority of her life. She is a reporter at the Taipei Times, a lover of renewable energy, Taiwan tech, and so much more. So, everyone, please welcome my good friend Angelica. Hello, John. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Boom! What's up, sister? So, Miss Angelica, John, you are in the world of journalism. Renewable energy, all sorts of advocacy for clean energy. Is that right? Absolutely right. I'm for all sorts of clean energy. <laughs> I figured you were. As long as it's low carbon, I like it. As long as it's low carbon, you like it. I like that. That sounds like a new diet. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Taiwan needs to go on a low carbon diet. Forget about the low carb diet, people. We need to go on a low carbon diet for、love. our electricity systems. Yes. So you are a journalist for the Taipei Times. You write for Renews, which is a renewable energy news outlet. And you grew up bilingual and have learned a third language since then. So, can you give a little introduction about yourself and your language journey? Well, I grew up in Taiwan, but moved to Australia at a very young age, and it was really kind of the perfect age, I believe, to be a very balanced bilingual person. I moved away from Taiwan when I was about eight to nine years old, so I had. All my Chinese, I could read, I could write at a, at a third grade level, but still, I was able to just pick up English as if by magic. When I went over to Australia, I didn't speak very much when I left, and、um, at first, I didn't understand it. But really, one day, I just started speaking and never looked back. So,、um, you know, people say, "Well, you're bilingual; you must be good at learning languages." And for a long time, my answer was, "No, actually, my." Grades for French, for instance, in high school were absolutely terrible, and、uh, I hated French grammar. And even though I still did okay, I was a good student. I couldn't actually speak it. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting point you bring up about being bilingual at an early age, because you were just surrounded by language and you learned it, but you didn't actually go to study that language super intently at the time, and. We'll talk about that later in the show for sure. But if we could focus a little bit on your journalism career right now, when did you begin journalism and writing, and what was your main focus for getting involved with renewable energy? Something that I just love, love, love so much, and I'm so happy that you are an advocate for this space. My first go around as a journalist actually happened when I was in Taipei more than ten years ago, and I was actually working as a SAT tutor and bartender. And one of my regulars just told me, "Angelica, you know you should." You'd be a great journalist. You should you should apply at the Taipei Times, <laughs> and that's what I did. And my first go around, and I started covering medicine. So I was their health and labor reporter 
for a while, moved on to Radio Taiwan International, and for a while at Next Media Animation. That was very, very fun. In the fullness of time, though, I decided to go back to the States, and I ended up um, in the professional kitchen. But sometimes life throws you a curveball, and I came back to Taiwan, and here I am doing my journalist thing again. And news-wise, it's gone from being a backwater to being very relevant and very visible internationally. And that brings me to the offshore wind industry, which I do adore. And I cover it extensively as a part of my job. And one day I want to be the best offshore wind reporter in not just Taiwan, but the whole APEC region. So it's a fantastic place and I'm here to stay. Well, well said. I think that is something from a journalist perspective that is so undervalued is, you know, the silver lining of COVID has been how much more media attention and reach we are getting right now. And with that extended reach, you can refocus that attention on different things. And you're focusing on renewable energy. And I just love that. So from your journalistic perspective, when did you become interested in renewable energy? Well, when I started as a business reporter at the Taipei Times, um, I covered all these different areas um, because as an English language reporter, your beats are rather broad. And what immediately attracted me to the offshore wind industry is um, what a boom it is and how much action there is going on. Um, President Tsai really set a very, very bold policy goal of creating an offshore wind industry here in Taiwan. And it is necessary for Taiwan because the other side of it is Taiwan thrives on exporting our electronic products. And increasingly, those supply chains have to be decarbonized. The European Union and other major economic bodies, hopefully the United States will follow, are demanding that we produce our gadgets with green energy. And if Taiwan is going to stay competitive, we're going to need that green energy. Yeah, no doubt. And it makes me think a lot about blockchain technology and obviously cryptocurrencies and all the unfortunately dirty energy around Bitcoin right now with proof of work mining and how if that really wants to stay relevant, it needs to be focusing on green energy, renewable energy as its main source of power. And so thinking a little bit about the future for you as a journalist, where do you see yourself with 2022 and beyond? Well, I really hope to focus on covering and advocating for clean energy. And for me, that means any source of low carbon non-fossil and I love the offshore wind supply chain. It's so fascinating. I love the big boats, the big machines. And I also think that Taiwan needs to reconsider seriously the role of nuclear in being a part of our low-carbon energy mix. Because let's face it, uh, we've, we have nuclear plants that has the potential to bring more energy that's very low carbon for us. Um, but politically, it's a bit of a no-go zone, and I'm trying to change that. I love it. Advocating for the right things here. Shout out to you and all the places that you get to push your beautiful writing on. Oh, thanks so much, John. 节目上半段一开始呢，我们这位热衷于绿色能源的 Angelica 提到说，她在小学阶段，大概八九岁的时候呢，就跟家人移民到澳洲去，展开了她的这个双语人生。那也是因为这样子呢，常常人家就会觉得说，哇，那你。你这样子对于学外语应该很有天分哦。殊不知他在高中的时候上法文课，虽然什么考试的都还 OK 啦，但是真的要他讲法文的话，还真的讲不出来。
这部分待会我们后面会再来细谈。现在先来听几个这个跟不污染环境的能源有关的英文说法，像是 renewable energy， 好，再生能源 clean energy， 洁净能源，例如像是太阳能啦、风力、水力发电等等都是。好，或有时候呢也会听到有人说 green energy， 绿色能源也都是一样意思。那如果想要表达低碳、低碳能源的话呢，可以说 low carbon energy， 跟我们低碳饮食的那个说法有点像，只是低碳饮食的低碳，一般就比较常会用 low carb 来表示。好，一个是 low carbon， 一个是 low carb。另外还有一个字，我也想来和大家介绍一下的是 outlet。不知道各位刚才在前面有没有注意到 John 他说的这个 renewable news outlet？ 这边用的这个 outlet 不是大家一般熟悉的掺货中心哦，不是逛街血拼的那个那个 outlet， 而是像 media outlet 一样有新闻媒体的意思。而且啊，除了这以外，它其实也可以用来表示插座、电源插座，或者是我们情绪发泄的一个出口、一个发泄途径。再来提到 Angelica， 她当初会走上记者这条路，是因为大概在十几年前，她在台北打工的时候呢，有人跟她建议说可以去台北时报应征当记者看看，才开始的。但不是从那时候就一直做到现在哦，其中其实还穿插了不少故事。但简单来说呢，就是当时在那边做了一段时间后，绕了一大圈，做过广播电台，也到美国当过厨师。最后呢，才又回到了当初人家推荐的《台北时报》当记者。那现在就是专门报道跟全球息息相关的再生能源。毕竟我们台湾，你知道也是主要靠出口电子产品为主嘛，对不对？那这些产品的经济龙头买家呢，也是越来越提倡环保，要求说要用低碳、用绿色能源生产。所以，如果整个供应链都是朝这个方向迈进的话呢，那台湾我们势必也是要跟进嘛，对不对？那有这样子的需求的话呢，当然也就是有需要有人来报道相关新闻，而我们 Angelica 当然就是最佳人选喽。来，两个字，刚才不知道大家有没有听到，一个是 curve ball， 好，它本来是指棒球比赛里面选手丢的曲球。嘿，如果刚好是有在打打棒球的听众朋友，应该都知道，因为这种变化球丢出去啊，是走一个曲线。会让对方措手不及，所以有时候呢，英文就会把它这个意思做延伸，用来表示突发状况。另外一个字是 offshore wind， 好，它比较专业一点，它是再生能源的一种。我们说离岸风力发电。接着 Angelica 提到说啊，他未来希望可以持续去倡导再生能源，好，持续做跟低碳还有这个非化石燃料有关的报道。也希望政府呢可以重新审视核能发电的这个重要性，只是因为这类议题常常都会碰触到政治，就比较少人会主动去谈。好，所以我们来宾希望未来呢，他也可以在这方面做一些改变。这段呢，他用到了一个简单又到底的字，我们来一起来听 ：no go zone or no go area。好，意思是禁区，或是像这边指的这个避而不谈的话题。好 ，no go， 它中间有一个横杠，把两个字连起来变成一个形容词，形容一个地方或是一个话题是不行去或是不行谈到的。好啦，那这段内容就先在这里告一段落，我们赶快继续听下半段的分享吧。Awesome, Angelica. Well, do you mind if we transition then to kind of the story of you? Well, 
I never get tired of talking about myself, John. So <laughs> yes, you may. Yes, you may. <laughs> so you're mentioning you were born in Taiwan, but your family relocated to Australia. Well, take it from there. It was really a miraculous process. It wasn't like I didn't have English lessons before. But when I moved to Australia, I didn't speak English. I was about、um, nine,、okay. about nine. Pivotal. And I just remembered sitting in class, not really understanding what's going on, until one day, miraculously, I did. And you know, it's it's so weird just thinking back. How did that happen? And I tried to do that in high school because I was a very mediocre language student.、Um, I took French for years, and even though I always passed by the end of my my time learning French, you could have dropped me in the middle of a Paris, and I wouldn't have been able to order a cup of coffee. Yeah, it was that bad. And I, I just thought to myself, oh, oh well, I missed the window. I'm an adult now, and I will never be a good language student again. Yeah, and you've had some incredible breakthrough moments with your language development. I believe it was specifically French when you were a line cook at a restaurant in L.A. So, can you share a little bit about that? I was not really expecting to learn French at all. If anything, I was trying to work on my Spanish because、uh, so many people in the back of the house. But I was working in this French restaurant, very cute little French restaurant, where the chef was from Paris and the owner was from Paris, a third generation restaurateur. We cooked in these cool copper pans from his grandpa's restaurant, and、um, the whole place was tiny. It was called Belle Vie, beautiful life in French. And、um, it was the Belvide. It was a, a kind of a watering hole for the French population in LA. And I just kind of、um, slowly by slowly, j'ai tombé amoureuse en français. I just fell in love slowly, and I decided I, it was something I wanted to, to do. And to my delight, I found that. I didn't have to do it the old way because I hated French grammar. I struggled with it so much in high school, thanks to my environment working there, but also to new knowledge that I acquired about how my brain works when it comes to language acquisition. I was able to really, really improve my French at at a pace that really like, and the Frenchies are not easy to impress at all. Like in Taiwan, you know. Some white guy, sorry to pick on white guys, but、okay. can say ni hao ma or whatever, and people are like, oh, hao bang bang, oh, and someone hao hao. No, the French are hard to impress, and it really wasn't until I started reading Le Petit Prince at、uh, lunch that my chef was really like, wow, she just did this. I don't know how she did it. <laughs> you know,、yeah. that was very proud of myself that day. And I love that. And you touched on something really beautiful right there about language acquisition and understanding how you learned personally, rather than you know getting forced to learn grammar through a textbook approach as we all do in school. So, can you take us through what was your aha moment that you had with your language development? First of all, I discovered a lot of interesting YouTube videos about language learning and how the way we do it in school is totally wrong. It's like if you try to program the worst way to teach a language, what you get in the schools is probably it. And one key piece of information that I learned was something called the effective filter. This is only a hypothesis,、uh, but I think it jives pretty well with my experience. And、um, This linguistic hypothesis posits that you have to be in a state of relaxation for your brain's language acquisition 
module or program or whatever you want to call it to work. And if you're in any kind of stress, boredom, any kind of negative aversion um, to what you're doing, if you're, you're forcing yourself to do something, then that part is just shut. And that's going to make language learning a really, really difficult and painful process. Yeah, a painful process indeed. And it just makes so much sense as I think about it. When you're stressed out with getting good grades or getting to a university or getting that promotion, sure, that can motivate and drive certain people. But as a widespread net for all learners, it's a terrible approach. Yeah, you kind of learn it for a test and out the other end. Yeah, and it makes me also think about every subject in school. I mean, so many kids are stressed out about school and they don't understand. They can't see the bigger picture of school at that time in their life. And that hypothesis makes sense. And I hope we can reform education in that way of creating safe places for all subjects, language included. Because it makes me think about you with French. I mean, you were just a fly on the wall in this beautiful little French restaurant surrounded by the music and the food and the culture. And you were just vibing with it all and soaking it all in. Absolutely. And the key word I would use here is affinity. I think we all have our reasons why we want to learn a language, that job, that school, um, th those doors that open. But funnily enough, they don't help us develop a real love for the language. Yeah. And language learning is such a huge mammoth task that unless you truly love it, you can't will your way through it. Um, here's a funny anecdote. A lot of the people who speak really good English, if you ask them why they do, you'd find that they grew up and they loved watching the show Friends. Right. right. <laughs> that's, that's like a real phenomenon out there in the world. And it's like, okay, so, so they're not the hardest working. They're not the most diligent, but they develop this bond with this cultural product. So um, for me, when I started getting serious about my French, I sought out as many things that I find enjoyable in in this case, pastry. Pastry is an absolute passion of mine. And so I watched the French version of um, the Great British <laughs> Bake Off, Le Milieu Pâtissière in French. And uh, I actually put together bits and pieces of what's going on by context. Mm. Like, I already know how to bake a pie, so I know what's going on. And then um, your brain is in puzzle-solving mode. And you don't have to work at it. You just focus on the action. But in the background, it's trying to fill in the blanks for you. And when that kind of learning occurs, it's not like you learn one word in in isolation. It's like a network. Yeah, of, a neural network. Right a there. neural network of words, context, how it's being used, it's the tone, body language, all that is being formed, and the most beautiful thing is you don't even have to do the work. You just have to make sure you're having fun. Just make sure you're having fun. Yes, well said. An affinity for the language. And, yeah, that just stems from liking the culture and liking things that go on. Or, as you did, finding things you already like and doing those with the language that you're trying to learn, the target language. Well, well done. Well, unfortunately, we are coming to the end of NG Nguyen. And a question that I love to end with is, if you could go back in time 
and talk to a younger Angelica. Would there be any advice you give yourself about life, language, journalism, anything? I would say just focus on really digging into what you love. Um, don't worry about what it's going to bring to you in the end, because the best way to be rewarded in this life um, more and more these days is to be a top performer. And if you look at the top performers in this life, no matter what field, they are not just in it for the money. They're not just in it for the stability. They're in it because they truly love it. So don't be limited by what you feel like you're good at. And uh, don't be committed to your dreams. They're, I, I always like to say dreams are like a hypothesis about mm -hmm. who you are and what's out there in the world. And it's only by going through a lot of a series of dreams that don't work out. For instance, my, my pastry chef dream it was stopped, not just because of COVID, but because I suffered a bad back accident. But here I am pursuing another dream. And I want to tell little Angelica, don't worry, you're going to try, you're going to do great things, and you're going to fail. And that's all just a part of life. One thing you don't know about me is I am a sucker when people go deep. I just love that, and I think it speaks to so many people's hearts, whether they are open to it yet or not. But like you said, life changes. Staying fluid is so important. To Absolutely. Of... I, I think after 2020, <laughs> yeah. a lot more people are agreeing with me that five-year plans are out and one-year plans are in. One-year plans are in, <laughs> yeah. I think I'm on like a two-month plan. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Awesome, Angelica. Well, where can people find your writing? Where can they find more about your life online? Well, I, I do write for the Taipei Times, so that's um, almost daily. But uh, for my more personal musings, I would love for everybody to check out my blog. It's called typology.substack.com. I'm also on Twitter, Angelica Ong, and on LinkedIn, Angelica Ong. Well, I wish you nothing but success, and thank you for being such an advocate for clean energy. And, uh, and Yes, we need renewable. to do this. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it. it's a matter of survival, guys. <laughs> yeah, and loved all your insight about, about language learning. So it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Mm, merci, John. <laughs> thank you. All right, everyone, we'll talk to you next time. 前面不是有提到说他小时候移民澳洲嘛那时候英文虽然一开始完全一窍不同但是后来也就是都都听懂了所以高中学法文的时候就想说应该也可以像之前学英文一样自己就默默就通了吧因为自己本身也只是一个很
这种说法呢，其实在澳洲是比较常见一点，而且是非常到底哦。大家赶快把它记起来，以备未来不时之需。再来，他提到一个针对第二语言学习的一个假说，好一个 hypothesis， 叫做 effective filter。中文我们讲情感过滤假说，什么意思呢？好，就是说，当一个学外语的学生内心如果不放松，而是感到无聊、感到沮丧的话呢，那我们大脑大脑里面学外语的那一部分会整个就是关闭。好，到最后学外语就会变得是很痛苦的一个一件事。那这我觉得跟这样分享到的一样，不只是不只是学语言这一块啦。好，学校里面的每个科目，如果课程让学生觉得很痛苦。甚至是在工作环境里面，如果员工觉得很沮丧的话呢，那不管是学习动力还是工作效率都都会都不会太好嘛。反而如果可以让你放松而沉浸在环境里的话呢，那相信做很多事情都会容易许多。就就像当初 Angelica 学法文一样啊，在学校要背各种文法，让他头昏脑胀，怎么学就是都学不好。但是，一到法国餐厅工作，每天在那个厨房里面听，少了要背单字、背文法的阻碍之后，反而就学起来了。当然，也是有加上他自己后天的努力啦，像是看看那个法文版的那个烘焙大赛的 Great British Baking Show， 帮自己把对烘焙的兴趣和对法文的兴趣两个做连结啊。因为有了好感度之后，那往后的学习也会更上手嘛，对不对？讲到这里，我们来听一看刚才 John 说的这一句 ：“A fly on the wall。”这边的 “fly” 跟“飞”没有关系哦，而是指苍蝇。表达的呢，就是在不被人注意到的情况下观察。像 Angelica 就是在厨房里面的 “fly on the wall”， 好，默默听法国厨师们的对话，听久了也就慢慢学起来了。或是像我个人的例子，好了，小时候家里的大人都不知道我听懂台语。所以呢，常常他们在讲话的时候都不知道我其实嗯默默听到很多事情，尤其如果是在讲不想给我知道的东西，以为讲台语就 OK 了，但因为我是 fly on the wall， 所以其实都默默知道了很多事。最后来宾建议以前的自己啊，好，当然也是建议各位啦，好，就是说我们要选己所爱，爱己所选。好，很多顶尖的人才，他们事业可以做很大。往往都是因为那是他们有有那份热情在，都是从小小的热情发展成大事业，所以不要把自己局限住，什么都有可能，失败总是会有嘛，但没有失败哪来的成功嘛，对不对？失败成功之母啊，都只是人生中的一部分而已啦。好，那希望大家都有从这一次的内容学到一些东西，有兴趣的话呢，可以找个时间去读读 Angelica 在台北时报的文章哦。Bye bye everyone. Peace. All right. Well, that is our NG Ingwen show for today. We hope everyone enjoyed listening to that. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and now Spotify. You can search NG Ingwen, or you can search on IG NG English I C R T. And don't forget to tune in every Wednesday morning from six thirty to seven, and Wednesday night from nine to nine thirty. We'll catch you on the next episode. Bye bye. 好啦，今天的节目就到这边告一段落啦。感谢各位的收听，别忘了订阅我们的 Spotify 还有 YouTube 频道哦。那喜欢我们节目的话，也要记得到 Instagram 到 IG 上追踪我们哦。如果各位有什么其他问题是想要问来宾的，也请欢迎在底下留言告诉我们，我们一定会想办法帮你问到手。
好啦，那就下周在空中相会喽，拜拜。